Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. All right. Hey, Las Vegas. It's Thursday. Time for some Frittle Show. I am Crystal Heath. Thanks to those of you tuning in here in Las Vegas and around the world, the universe, really. I'm sure that if Chris Pratt is, in fact, in space right now, he is probably tuning in. So you are all in great company. As always, appreciate you being here. Just realized I really need to clean up my office. Sometimes it gets out of hand and uh, it's distracting me as we are trying to do the program today because I, I'm looking at this leftover Chick-fil-A cup thinking about how wonderful uh, that lunch was the other day and uh, it's making me hungry. And that hunger pain led to the realization that I need to clean the office. Also, the Broncos are just trying to break my heart. This Valentine's Day, you know, Elway has uh, Elway has let us Broncos fans know repeatedly that we haven't been the same since Peyton Manning, and what we need, what we truly need, is an elite quarterback, and we just haven't found that yet. So, what does he do? He goes and he signs Joe Flacco. Now, I get that Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl with the Ravens, but Joe Flacco is not. An elite quarterback. Joe Flacco was benched for Lamar Jackson. Who, if I'm not mistaken, the Broncos could have picked up in the last draft if they had wanted to. So instead of taking Lamar Jackson in the draft, we let the Ravens take Lamar Jackson in the draft. And then we trade for Joe Flacco. And in the meantime, picked up Case Keenum. And now that is all falling apart. Like, what? Oh, I know that has nothing to do with anything that you're probably tuning in to listen to today, but these are the things affecting my mindset as I do the program. So if I seem slightly agitated throughout the day, it's not necessarily because I don't think that we should have to eliminate cows as part of the Green New Deal. Although I I don't think that cows should have to be eliminated as part of the Green New Deal, but it's more because, you know, the lack of Chick-fil-A in my life and also the now emergence of Joe Flacco in my sports life. Not pleased, people. Not pleased. But that's okay. It is Valentine's Day. It is the day that we celebrate, most often, love. But Valentine's Day isn't exactly about love if you look back at its origins, which we will do uh, later on in the program. That's going to be fun. It's one of my favorite stories to tell because it is one of, I think, the least told stories uh, of, of, of our holidays, if you will. Like President's Day, we all get it. That's Abraham Lincoln, George Washington. Uh, it's supposed to be on Lincoln's birthday. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Easter, we all get it. Even those who don't Uh, believe the truth will recognize that Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we celebrate. It's not about bunnies. Like, literally, no one cares about bunnies. In fact, they're actually a rodent. So, you know, I'm I'm not saying they're not cute, but they're a rodent, okay? Same thing with Christmas. You may not 
you may be an atheist, but you recognize that the Christmas holiday, I mean, his name is right in it. It's about the birth of Jesus Christ. And we can talk about the origins and stuff of it as well. But ultimately today, when people think about that holiday or any holiday in particular, everybody has a general understanding of what it's about. Everybody has a general understanding of its backstory. But Valentine's Day... I think it's forgotten. So we're going to talk about that a little lot later on in the program. We're going to start, though, uh, with the the deal, so-called. Um, the compromise, which is not much of a compromise, to get the president some funding for uh, the wall on the southern border. We mentioned this earlier in the week on the program. If you listen to us here uh, in Las Vegas, you heard us talk about this a little bit. Uh, essentially... Uh, the president has been asking for $5.7 billion to build the border uh, wall. The uh, The House is scheduled to vote this evening on budget legislation that would avert the, the shutdown and, uh, and uh, includes um, over $1 billion in funding for the wall. That is nowhere near the $5.7 billion the White House have requested, and it would only provide about 55 miles of new barrier along uh, the the U.S.-Mexico border, uh, but it does include about $23 billion in total funding uh, overall. So here's the thing: um, this is not this is not a good compromise. The uh, if this is where we end up, the shutdown was completely pointless because we had more money being offered by Democrats for funding of a border wall before the shutdown than we do currently. Now, the president has said that he and Republicans in Congress are trying to finagle some things so that uh, so that some more funding can be redirected, if you will, to the border barrier or the border wall. But this is not this is not a good compromise. It's not a compromise. And this is what I tried to tell the world, but apparently no one was listening uh, several weeks ago during the shutdown. So if you end the shutdown without a solution, Democrats will then have no reason to actually give you what you want. And that's exactly what we're seeing play out here. Not only are they not getting what they want, they will be getting less than they would have originally gotten if we just hadn't shut down the government and accepted what Democrats had proposed in the first place. So we are basically back to square one, except further back than square one. I don't know what square that would be. Because I don't think there is a square before square one. Uh, the president has said that he is not happy with this deal, but our, all indications are that he is going to sign it to avert the shutdown. And some people are trying to place all the blame on this, uh, or for this rather, on Republicans in Congress. Which, you know, is fair. Republicans are the ones that are going to vote on this. But the fact of the matter is... Uh, the president is the one who is saying that, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna go ahead and sign it. So, I don't think we can place all of the blame on Congress, just like we can't place all of the blame on the president. I think there is, uh, blame on both sides, but, uh, the only way to get around this would be to either shut down the government again, which nobody seems wanting to do, or to declare a national emergency, which... I've talked about before, I think is a, just a simply terrible idea because, you know, if, if the president declares a national emergency in order to accomplish the building of a few hundred miles of fence, which I believe that we need, okay? I'm in full support of the president's plan for a border wall. I think that walls are a good thing. We've talked about this before. 
on the program. Walls work, okay? You wouldn't have, if you're here in Las Vegas, <laughs> the perfect example is just go out in your backyard. What is around your yard? A wall. Is the wall there because you hate your neighbors? No. The wall is there because you love your family and you're trying to protect them from things that exist in Las Vegas that you don't want uh, in being involved in your family, right? It's not rocket science. If you live in Las Vegas, this is literally the easiest thing to comprehend because basically everyone who has a house has a wall around their yard. Okay, it's, it's, it has nothing at all to do with cruelty or hatred or racism or anything like that. So I'm in full support of the wall. But I don't believe, and I very strongly hold this opinion, that declaring a national emergency to build the wall is a good idea. Because, because then you're setting a precedent. Now that's not to say that the next Democratic president won't do whatever he or she wants anyway, but if you set the precedent of, well, they declared a national emergency to build their wall, what's the Democrat going to declare a national emergency on? What, what, what happens when AOC becomes president and climate change is a national emergency and so she just uh, puts her Green New Deal through uh, as a national emergency issue? Uh, that's, that is where we are heading, probably regardless, but almost definitely, if the president were to just go ahead and declare a national emergency. We, we, I, I understand the thought process behind it. I understand the issues uh, with illegal aliens being, uh, being taking advantage of, of our resources and such, but it's just not a good idea. This needs to happen in Congress. It should have happened in the first two years of his presidency. Then we would not have this gridlock because you would have had Republicans in control of everything. It is the greatest uh, mystery of the early years of the Trump presidency to me as to why we did not focus on this uh, earlier because it, it could have been done. It could have been done, but it was not. And now, now we have this compromise that isn't a compromise that is less money than you would have gotten before the shutdown for the wall. And some people say that 55 miles of fence doesn't even matter, might as well not bother. Well, that's a terrible attitude as well. At least you're going to get 55 miles, and uh, it's going to be, I think, down on the Rio Grande portion of the border. Uh, essentially, for those of you in Las Vegas, it, it's basically the equivalent of a wall if you built a wall from Las Vegas to Pahrump. So it's not, a, it's not a huge wall, but it is a significant portion of our southern border. And it will help uh, in that portion, and it's, it's, a, it's a starting place. Okay, We can build from there, but we have to start somewhere, so that is where uh, we are starting, hopefully, uh, with the border wall. Okay, in the world of Democrat politics, uh, I don't remember if we talked about this last week or not. I can't remember what day she declared for the presidency, but Elizabeth Warren has decided officially that she is going to run for president. Rob Lowe tweeted, uh, <laughs> it was so funny, uh, Rob Lowe tweeted uh, Elizabeth Warren, if Elizabeth Warren were to become president, it would give a whole new meaning to commander-in-chief, and he put chief in quotation marks. I'm sorry, but that is just funny. Right? It's not meant to be offensive or anything. It's just funny. I, I thought it was brilliant. But of course, there was great outrage over the fact that he would say something or tweet something like that. And he ended up apologizing and removing the tweet. 
I almost tweeted it out in quotes with his name just because it was pretty great. But uh, I opted not to do that. So, yeah. I guess I don't have the moral courage to withstand what might happen if I did. I don't know. So Elizabeth Warren, officially in the ring, uh, running for commander-in-chief. You can take the pun or not take the pun. Entirely up to you. Uh, her her announcement uh, was... Okay, I'm not going to... It was kind of lame, guys. And then there's this video of her, like, after she announces clapping, and she, like, reaches over and manhandles this small child. And it's it's just awkward, and it's weird. And I don't... I, I have many Democrats as my friends. I have many Republicans as my friends. Sometimes politicians, no matter which side of the aisle they're on, they're either just creepy or they don't, uh, they don't govern well. Sometimes both. Sometimes you can have a creep in office who governs well, and sometimes you can have the nicest person in office who doesn't govern well. So there's all kinds of issues. Uh, because people that are in public service are still people. That said, I think the Democrats have a real likability issue this time around. Because the president, uh, though many would argue about the the creep factor and uh, and the lack of moral lifestyle prior to the presidency uh, that he led, he has governed, in my opinion, very well. I think that most Americans, in fact, polling data shows that most Americans right now approve of the job that he's doing. So Democrats can't just run anybody, all right? They can't run people that, and I hate to say this if you're an Elizabeth Warren fan, but I just don't think that she has what it takes to beat uh, Trump in a general election. I really don't. I think she has too much uh, baggage with this whole Native American thing, and I think she is just unlikable in many respects because of it. Then uh, then you have uh, you have Beto, who just, I don't know, there's something about him that I, I just don't think he can pull this out. Bernie Sanders feels kind of like a has-been, Sadly, I think Joe Biden may end up being their most likable person and as such be the winner uh, of the Democratic nomination. But then you've also got Cory Booker. And, you know, I was... When he when he first said he was running, I thought that this was a definite possibility. I thought that he could for sure be the Democratic nominee, and he might still be. But I think the... <laughs> I think he's reached a point where he's just trying too hard right now. And in trying too hard, he is hurting himself, I think. Granted, we have over a year until uh, until the Iowa caucuses right now. Or I think a year. Isn't it like the beginning of March, the Iowa caucuses next year? Anyway, um, and that's a, that's a political eternity. Who knows what will happen? I mean, by then, Howard Schultz may be decided to be a Democrat again, and then he could be the guy. I don't know. But uh, but I thought Cory Booker, but he's just been he's just been weird with like his Spartacus stuff. Um, I feel he's just trying too hard uh, for that soundbite, for that meme, for that gif. He's just he's just trying too hard. And uh, his latest thing this week, he said he said that the world can't sustain people eating meat. He said he became a vegetarian in 1992. The man has been a vegetarian for like 20, what is that, 27 years? I 
feel this explains a lot of things about Cory Booker. Not that there's anything wrong with being a vegetarian, but... Um, and he said he would never go back to eating meat after becoming a vegetarian in 1992. He made the decision to go vegan in 2014. He said his last non-vegan meal was Election Day, November 2014. He would, by the way, be the first uh, vegan to serve as president. But he was one of the few Democrats. I mean, when even Nancy Pelosi says you've gone too far... You've definitely gone too far, okay? So the Green New Deal that AOC put forward, Cory Booker was one of the few Democrats that was like, yeah, I'm a fan of this. I think this is a good idea. He compared AOC's Green New Deal plan, which literally including, included the need to eliminate cows um, completely from the planet because of their emissions, we'll say. Also to eliminate planes... Like, you wanted to tour Europe? You better get that done real fast before one of these people becomes president. You wanted to go anywhere that, that wasn't by train? I mean, how are we going to get a train across the Atlantic? That's what I don't know. Not to mention the Pacific. Anyhow. Uh, he said that her environmental plan, which included absolute lunacy, even Nancy Pelosi said it wasn't good. He said... That that plan, if implemented, would be comparable to winning World War II. World War II. I don't know what... I, like, I don't have in front of me what schools this man went to. But somewhere along the line, his education was lacking. Have you never heard of the Holocaust? Do you not know... What Mussolini was doing? Do you not know what was happening in Japan? Like the axis of evil was called an axis of evil for a reason. There was evil. Vast, unspeakable evil in the world. And the allies, or the good guys, came in and put out the fires of evil. I do not believe, and maybe I'm just crazy, but I don't believe that the emissions of cows is in some way or any way <laughs> comparable to, say, what was happening at Auschwitz. I just don't think they, they, they are on the same level in any way, at any time. In fact... I'm just going to make it a statement. I'm going to make it a fact. In case you had any doubt, they are not comparable. Okay? So he has this, this absolutely insane statement where he says the Green New Deal, if implemented, would be the equivalent of winning World War II. That is absolute lunacy. Um, but then, then, he went a step further. Ha <laughs> ha. He went a step further and he told this magazine called Veg News because, you know, being a vegetarian isn't good enough for just him. But he wants everyone to embrace the diet. He said, quote, You see the planet Earth moving towards what is the standard American diet. We've seen this massive increase in consumption of meat produced by the industrial animal agriculture industry. The tragic reality is this planet simply can't sustain billions of people consuming industrially produced animal agriculture because of environmental impact. It's just not possible as China, as Africa, move toward consuming meat the same way America does because we just don't have enough land. 
Legislatively, I want to continue to be part of a movement of folk who are fighting against corporate interests that are undermining the public good and the public welfare. <sighs> Anything that cramming too many pigs into barns is harmful and violates our collective values as a country. All right, well, we can have that conversation if you want. Uh, but you should probably start with chickens, because if you have ever seen or smelled a chicken house, th that's, that's, that's just, that's nasty. Although I do like eating the chicken, so you know, there's, you, you, hmm. I see what he's saying there, a little bit, a little bit on that part, okay? He also said when you stop uh, pumping antibiotics into animals to increase, uh, so basically what happens is um, a lot of times with farmers, uh, they they give antibiotics to whatever is their meat producing animal to uh, to increase their level of growth and to bulk them up essentially so that they have more meat uh, than they would normally have if they were just running wild. So he wants he wants that to stop, and I think that's a fair point to talk about as well. But to say that we should just have everyone stop eating meat all around the globe because America basically. We're just being a bad example to everybody else, guys, because we don't have enough land for everybody to be able to eat cows. In fact, oh, you know, by the way, we should just eliminate the cows completely, but probably not by eating them. I, it's, it's just madness. Like, who? Why? I don't know. I don't know. Like, what? <laughs> this is what happens when vegetarians rule the world. Vegans. Excuse me. Vegans. I love animals. I do. And no, I'm not going to say they're great with ketchup or steak sauce or whatever else. No, I, I love animals. When I was a little kid, I either wanted to be a veterinarian or a ski instructor. Like, those were the two things I wanted to do. I've had dogs almost my entire life. I love dogs. I got to show my dogs at an event uh, last week. It was awesome. We had so much fun. I raised goats growing up chickens, turkeys, we butchered chickens and turkeys regularly. Like, we lived on a farmette. This is what we did. Right? And it's just, it's it's how life works. When you're not, you know, a vegan that lives in the city. <sighs> how did I get to this point? Oh, yes. I remember now. Uh, we were talking about Democrat candidates for president. If Cory Booker is serious about running for president... Yes, there are vegans and vegetarians in this country, but at this point, they still do not comprise the majority or even a significant portion of the American population. You know what? I should probably look that up before I, uh, before I, before I say that as a fact. Let me just make sure. Okay. A recent poll conducted by Gallup has found that fewer than 1 in 10 Americans adheres to 1 of the diets, with only 5% saying they're vegetarian and 3% saying they are vegan. That was an article in Forbes last August. Alright, so it's even less than I thought. So, 5% uh, of Americans vegetarian, 3% say that they are vegan. Okay, so less than 10% of the population, and you are, you are building your campaign, if you will, on this issue of eliminating meat from the American diet so that Americans can be a better example to the rest of the world that eating meat is not the way to go. 
No, 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 no credence, by the way, or thought is given to the fact that maybe in places like Africa, it's actually more sustainable for them to raise uh, flocks and herds and and consume meat in the in the environment that they're given than it is to raise vegetables. Uh, but you know that's another topic for another time. But you you can't <laughs> you don't beat Donald Trump. Uh, in an election by running a campaign wherein one of your main focuses is the need to eliminate meat when less than 10% of Americans identify that as being a problem in our country. Do you follow me? So what I'm saying is, in summary, uh, Cory Booker is not doing himself any favors here. You know who else didn't do themselves any favors? Panera Bread. Panera Bread... I okay. I like Panera Bread. I always feel the need to to give you some sort of qualifying statement whenever I'm about to say something about somebody or some company that is just kind of ugh. <sighs> Panera Bread. I love Panera Bread's bread bowls, particularly if you put uh, broccoli cheddar soup in them. And then they're always like, or if you get like a sandwich and a bowl of their chicken broccoli soup, they're like, do you want? Uh, chips or an apple or bread and I'm just like can you just give me all the bread I just it's it's Panera bread like I'm here for the bread I don't want an apple give it to Cory Booker anyway uh, but Panera bread in uh, where is it I don't think it was in it wasn't national Um, there was one in St. Louis there were there were a few of these locations around the country. I don't remember where they all were, but um, I know there was one in, in St. Louis. Or Clayton, Missouri. Excuse me. Close to St. Louis. There's also another one in Boston. But Panera Bread uh, tried, tried a social experiment. They did a pay-what-you-want experiment. They basically tested socialism to see how it would go with Americans and as most people could have told them it failed miserably the final uh, of the Panera Cares restaurants located in Boston will be closing tomorrow February the 15th Uh, Panera Cares company Opened a number of stores, and their their idea was, if you can't buy food, if you don't have money, or if you only have a little bit of money, then you come in, you get what you want, you just you pay what you feel is the value of the food. You pay what the feel is the worth or what you think you can afford to pay. And if you had more money, the idea was that you would understand that your job in the Panera Cares Society is to pay more, to help offset those who paid less. And for a lot of people, it was just a matter of not paying anything at all. In fact, uh, Panera in, uh, in, uh, in Clayton, Missouri, their Panera Cares experiment had loaves of bread just on the countertop and a sign that said, a loaf of bread in every arm. Take what you need, leave your fair share. As it turns out, People aren't anywhere near ready to actually just take what they need and or actually leave anything. It is not 
it was not a viable business model. It uh, it failed miserably, and the Panera Cares project is now out of money, and their last Panera Care store closing tomorrow. The reason is because socialism does not work. It hasn't worked in any country in the past. And as advanced as you think we as Americans might be, socialism is not going to work here. America, as the president said in his State of the Union address, will never be a socialist country. I should say, by the way, the, the ideas of socialism, it's not that the ideas of socialism are bad in and of themselves. The issue is that because men and women, people, have a sin nature, which, you know, we don't like to talk about that, but mankind is not actually inherently good. And because mankind is not inherently good, the idea of, of the strong and the weak, and it, it's not that the ideas are are. are are wrong or that that those who have shouldn't help those who don't have and that we can't all work together for a better society it's that it just doesn't work that way because that's not how mankind works it's like it's like in the green do the the what is it called the green new deal there was provisions for those who would be unwilling to work unwilling to work so it's not just, before before we go and say that socialism doesn't work because the hearts of mankind are evil and those with money won't share it, that's not, it's not one-sided by any means. It's all the sides. It's, if you don't have to work and, the, and, and you'll just be given the same amount as the guy that's working all the time, why would you work? That's why there was that provision for those that are unwilling to work, because there will always be those who are unwilling to work. It's just a sad state of society, but that is not going to change because that isn't something the government can fix. That is a heart issue, and heart issues aren't solved by government intervention or government programs. They never have been. They never will be. Okay. I feel that I have rested long enough for this segment and that we should take a break. When we return, we will talk about Valentine's Day. Yes, I am single, but I am still able, capable, and willing to talk about Valentine's Day and to do so in a calm, respectful manner. <laughs> Stay with us. And welcome back to the program. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. For those of you that catch the podcast edition of this program or are listening to it outside of the, uh, the Las Vegas listening area, we normally just play music in the little breaks. So you uh, you aren't, it's not that you're missing anything, although it's pretty, it's good music. But uh, we can't have, because of licensing and stuff, can't have music in the podcast itself because it's not music that I make because any music that I make would not be worthy for anyone to listen to let alone be part of a podcast especially this one so in case you're wondering why it was like I was gone and then I was back again almost instantly there was actually a break there you just didn't hear it because you're listening to the podcast for those of you listening live yes did you know there's a podcast so if you miss it yeah the frittle show just google it 
Or, uh, you know, you can just go directly to SoundCloud or iTunes, type in The Frittle Show, and listen there. Okay. It is Valentine's Day. It is the day when little boys and girls who are much too young to even think about having a girlfriend or a boyfriend decide to give each other little Valentines and get embarrassed. And uh, we all say it's cute and fun and wonderful. And I guess for some, maybe it is. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know why we don't just let kids be kids anymore. Right? We need to spend more time at Chuck E. Cheese and less time with buying Valentines for our six-year-old just my personal opinion like they have plenty of time for that let them enjoy their childhood before this this thing called love they have to figure out but your valentine's day has become all about uh all about all about love not necessarily who you love right because love is love uh but just just love it's just about love you can give a valentine to your teacher you can give to Valentine to your UPS driver. You can give a Valentine, preferably in the form of a Snickers bar or Chick-fil-A, to your favorite radio host. Like, you can do... There's no there's no limit on who you can give Valentines to or how extensive or small it can be, right? You can get you can get one of those baseball-sized little tiny flimsy uh, cards that have some cute little cartoon saying on them, probably from Paw Patrol, and you can you can give that to somebody on the playground, or you can go you go all out on Valentine's Day and and propose and roses and and everything if if you're in a relationship. Valentine's Day has become a holiday that everyone can celebrate, regardless of whether they're in a relationship or not, because it's really not about. Uh, a relationship per se. It's just about people that it's about people that we love, and I I know that couples still celebrate it as a thing for couples. But I'm just saying, if you look at our culture as a whole, Valentine's Day is just about uh, expressing our appreciation and love to people that we appreciate and love, no matter who they may be. But that is not the original intent of Valentine's Day, and the reason I think mainly that this has been lost is because we don't call the holiday its actual name. It's not Valentine's Day. That is an incorrect print on your calendar, if that's what your calendar says. It is actually St. Valentine's Day. This day is about a person. This day is about one of the most incredible people, I think, in history. So, you got a flashback, alright? You've seen Ben-Hur? You know what Roman soldiers looked like because you've seen Ben-Hur, okay? Or some other gladiator movie either way get the roman soldiers pictures in your head get those columns in your head this is the the era where valentine lives there's no computers there's no cell phones there's no video games there's no cars replace those with chariots messengers empires kingdoms the roman empire is the world ruler Literally. The Roman Empire at this point is worshipping Caesar as a god. But not just Caesar. Many different gods. They, they have a duplicity, plurality, all the gods, whatever word is your favorite. They had many gods. And they had celebrations to honor their false gods. Each year, on February 14th and 15th, they held celebrations to honor the gods which they believed brought romance and love to their lives. 
What they didn't realize was that these uh, stones and sticks that they had carved out for themselves had nothing to do with romance or love in their lives or anyone else's. And yet the laws of Rome required that not only Caesar but these other stones and wood and whatever else be worshipped as God. Some, however, refused to worship the stone, to worship the wood, to worship Caesar. One of those people was a man named Valentine. Now, Valentine, he refused not only to worship these, uh, these false gods, uh, but he was passionate about the one true God. And he worked as a, as a, wasn't really a preacher back then or a priest necessarily, but he was, we'll just call him, we'll call him a preacher. We'll call him a preacher. And some people say that Valentine, the real Valentine, escaped from prison and helped other people escape from prison when they were arrested for not serving the false gods of Roman Empire. That he was a Christian who essentially served as like a Harriet Tubman and had his own kind of underground railroad in, uh, in Rome. Others say that he was a man who helped the sick and the poor. But the, the strongest uh, history that we have for an actual Valentine is of a man who believed in traditional marriage. So a man who believed that what God intended as the creator of the universe was that one man would marry one woman and that they would remain married for one lifetime and that that was God's plan for the family. See, in the days of Valentine, the Roman emperor, ruler of the unfree world, <laughs> I guess, decided that his soldiers were not disciplined enough and that he wasn't being able to recruit enough men into his military service. Now again, if you've ever seen Ben-Hur or anything like it, do the Roman soldiers that are portrayed seem to be undisciplined to you? Like, if anything, I would think the exact opposite. But no. The emperor decided it was not enough. The emperor decided he needed more soldiers. He needed soldiers who were not distracted by the issues of home and family. He needed soldiers whose entire lives was simply dedicated to serving him, the emperor, with no thought or regard or attachment to anyone else. So the emperor, quite simply, outlawed marriage. He just said, here to forward... Marriage, in my kingdom, in my empire, is illegal. Boom, done. And now it was a, it was a, um, what do they call it? Grandfather. <laughs> there was a grandfather clause, right? So if you were already married, this didn't affect you. But if you were thinking about getting married, too late, no more, and marriage was outlawed. But Valentine believed that the 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 empire's edict stood in direct opposition to God's plan for mankind, to God's plan for the family. And so Valentine, despite the emperor's uh, decree, continued to perform marriage ceremonies uh, for men and women in private. 
Valentine believed that it was more important for him to obey God than to obey man. And he put such value on the institution of marriage that he was willing to risk his life so that marriage could survive. Not, it wasn't about love. It wasn't about friendship. Yes, those are elements of marriage, but this wasn't what Valentine risked his life for. No, because you could still, the, the little Roman soldiers, they could still have a girlfriend. They could still be in love, but they couldn't get married. And that is what Valentine risked his life to preserve. Every day, marriage ceremonies, illegal, in, in, in direct defiance of the order of the, of the strongest, most powerful man on earth at the time, Valentine said, no, you know what? God's plan for marriage, is for marriage, is for families, and that is more important to me than what the emperor says. It's more important to me to preserve marriage than to preserve my life. That is an incredible, incredible thing. Now, of course, the, the Roman Empire is not stupid. They found out Valentine. They threw him in prison and on February the 14th, the day that the Romans would celebrate uh, and have celebrations of the gods that they believed brought them love, on February the 14th, the emperor had St. Valentine executed for his continuing uh, to perform marriage ceremonies. And that is what Valentine's Day is about. Not many years after Valentine's execution, uh, marriage would be reallowed again in the Roman Empire. But it's just, it, it's so convicting to me. You know, a day that we look at as a, as a trivial day to send candy or, or give a Valentine to, to anyone at all. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing or a wrong thing. It's a fun holiday. But the reason that you get to give out candy or, or little stuffed bears... Or roses today. The reason it's a tradition. Is not because. Anybody thinks. Or thought that. That love was love. And that's all that matters. And if you could just be together. Uh, with your with your favorite someone. No no boundaries. No restrictions. No that's not. That's not what Valentine's Day is about. It's not what St. Valentine died for. St. Valentine. Died. For marriage. For the issue of traditional biblical marriage. It's not a popular story because it stands in direct contrast to much of what uh, much of what the media and the world would have us think today about, about men and women. But it's the truth. And it's just as true today as it was on the day that Valentine died. Those many, many years ago. Today is, is an anniversary of a hero's death, of a martyr's death, of a man who no matter what the culture said decided that what God said about marriage was more important than what any emperor, any king, any news anchor, if they had them, I think they called them heralds, <laughs> didn't matter. He was going to do what God said was right, no matter how unpopular it was, and regardless of the fact that it could and eventually would cost him his life. <laughs>
It's not a fun Valentine's story, but it's a challenging one, isn't it? What is it, or is there anything, that you would be willing to die for? What is it that if our, our government, heaven forbid, but what if, if our government said you may no longer do this, fill in the blank? Is there anything that would go in that blank that you would be willing to put your life on the line for because it was something that God said was right or that God said was wrong? Either way. Valentine knew the answer to that question. Do you know the answer to that question? So this Valentine's Day, my challenge to you isn't to you know find somebody that you haven't appreciated in a while and, uh, and, and give them a box of chocolates. No, that's, that's nice and that's fun and that's good and we should do stuff like that. But my challenge to you today on this Valentine's Day is to think about St. Valentine. Think about the man of conviction that he was and ask yourself, is my relationship with God such that if my life were in jeopardy, that I would choose to do what is right, that I would choose God over man, that I would obey God no matter what man said, even if it cost me my life. I think that's a great conversation to have with not only yourself, but have it with your family. Have it with your kids. Tell them the story of the real Valentine, the actual hero, and see how they respond think you'll be well probably for most of you because you have pretty awesome kids I think you'll be impressed with what they say all right we're going to take another quick break when we return we'll be wrapping things up for this Thursday's edition of the Frittle Show don't go away be back in just a few moments all right, that's it. End of the program. Thanks to everyone who tuned in today. Special shout out to our new friends over at WHBJ in Pittsburgh. Great to have you with us and appreciate our friend Hutch putting us on the air there. If you are here in Las Vegas, don't forget, join us for church Sunday morning, 930 or 1115 here at Liberty Baptist. Our address is 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard or 6 p.m. Sunday evenings, Wednesday nights at 7. Those are our service times. We'd love to have you here to join us for any of those. Uh, If you can't be here in person, you can always stream us online by visiting our website at experienceliberty.com. You can also like us on, you can Loslo. That's that's another way of saying also, in case you were wondering. Uh, you can like us on Facebook by visiting Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas on Facebook. Or uh, if you'd like to get involved with what's happening on our radio's social, social I, all of a sudden I can't talk. Good thing it's the end of the program. But our social media pages for radio are all under KVXL Radio. You can find us on, uh, <laughs> by social media pages. We I think we just have Twitter and Facebook right now. Working on getting some more information up on those uh, for you guys or you can catch the live stream all day 24 hours a day seven days a week the live stream of our station over on our radio website at kvxl101.com thanks again for being here we will see you tomorrow same time same place here on kvxl 101.1 fm experience liberty radio from liberty baptist church in las vegas